Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adeoma, I'm in chapter 6 of the Gospel of Luke. And as I read, we stop and pause and give some commentary and explanation. Chapter 6. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first, that he went through the corn fields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn, and did it, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? Now, what was this talking about? Well, when they say it's not lawful to do on Sabbath day, they are Sabbath day say they are not to do anything that looks like labor. So they classify people that is passing by and plucking the corn. You are facing the corn, so they say you are laboring. When they just pluck one to eat, yeah, it doesn't matter to them. If you pluck the corn, when you should be not going to, to farm, you are laboring. That was the complaint. And up to now, they still have all these Sabbath laws that tied the old society in a bondage. I was told, I've never been to Israel, but I was told that people, when they go even this generation, when they go to Israel, that on the Sabbath day, even the elevators, you want to go from fourth floor, fourth to fifth floor, they make the Sabbath day to be, you don't even press the button. Because if you press the button to go to this floor, you are working, you are doing laboring. Why? Because you are doing some pressing the button to go to the fourth floor. So what did they do? So they automatically programmed the elevator for the, on the Sabbath day. You just open the door by itself and then go up to the next one and open the door step by step so that you just go inside, don't touch anything. It will take you to the first level. Yeah, maybe you are going to the fifth level. Yeah, it will keep going one step by step and then come back step by step so that you are not going to be violating their Sabbath law of laboring because if you press the button, they say you are laboring. Now in the tire, they all set it down. So they are into something that may not really. Christ said, that, look, the Sabbath is made for men, not men for the Sabbath. But they didn't want to believe that. They, are, they rejected all the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that is what's going on. And this is the type of thing they have been pass, pass, passing down to their generation as culture. Don't pluck a, something even though you want to eat. But do they allow them to cook on the Sabbath day? I don't even know whether they allow them to cook. Or they have to cook it before the Sabbath starts and eat it without warming it up. So I don't know how we see, those are all things that turn into bondages, bondage. But we are not under yoke of bondage in the New Testament. That's why Apostle Paul was preaching against some of those who said that anyone that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are justified from all things which you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. And if you want to follow the law of Moses, you are in a bondage. But when you come to Christ, you are free. Free to, from all those bondages. Not sin, because sin has already been taken away from us when you are born again. It took the nature of sin away from us so that we don't commit all these that are not command, commandments. You are no more part of that because it's no more enough to do all this bad stuff. That's what born again means. But all this ritualistic thing, don't touch, don't do this, don't do that, that go along with their culture. You say the culture is, is putting them in bondage. That's why Christ talking against their culture. It's a tradition of men, tradition of men, you call it tradition of men, that you make them to become the law. But you say it's just that your tradition, that you make them become like a bondage to people. And the Sabbath day rules and laws are part of those traditions of, of the Jews that 
put the whole society in bondage. When you come to Christ, you are free from all those traditions of men. Verse 3. Jesus answering them, was going to address this Sabbath day thing. Have ye not read so much as this, what David did when himself was an ungrate, and they which were with him? How he went to the house of God, and did take and eat the shoe bread, and give also to them that were with him, which is this not love to him to eat, but for the priest alone. So Christ was not even debating that these people, they were, they were plucking, he said, well, they were hungry. And they pluck this thing, you think that is an offense for them to pluck something as they pass by and eat. He said, David even did worse than that. He went to the temple of God and, and took and partook of the bread. He didn't steal it. He asked for the priest. The priest said, Well, that's the only bread we have here. Unless you have been purified, you are not even allowed to touch it. He said, Well, we have been purified. He said, If you even at least you have been free from going into your wife. He said, yeah. For three days, we have not been sleeping with our wives. We have been in the jungle. Okay. So they let them eat it. It's, it logically, what they find to that, that David was not, was not uh, classified as offended God because of, he was hungry. That's why Jesus Christ used to say, have you not heard what, what David, King David did when himself was an hungry and they which were with him? And he went to the house of God and did take of the shoe bread and gave also to them that were with him. He said, it's not lawful, according to the law of Moses, for anybody to eat it, only the priest should eat those bread, you see. But God didn't hold him fault because of that. Verse 5, and he said unto them, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath, and he himself is Lord of the Sabbath. But see, the Jews, if they don't believe him to be the Messiah, they will not accept everything he says. Also. Verse 6, and it came to pass also on another Sabbath, so Luke was just listening to everything that was complains about the Sabbath into one single chapter here. Verse 6 says, It came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an occasion against him, accusation against him. They were always looking for faults. So they said, well, this man is preaching about like a, and healing people like a doctor. But if he's a doctor, that's how he makes his, uh, his living. So you shouldn't do it on Saturday. Then you should be classified as working on Saturday. You shouldn't labor on Saturday. But Christ is trying to make them to see that what he is doing is not, it's not a doctor job. It's God healing people. Anyone working for God, like the priests in the temple, they are working for God. Nobody says they are working on Saturday. They go there and do all their sacrificial thing on Saturday. Yeah. Why are they not faulty? Why are they not guilty? Because he said, well, they are working for God. He said, this thing he is doing, healing the sick, is working for God. But they didn't want to accept that. They thought, that's how you make money. That's how people come and give you donations. So don't do it on Sabbath day. And Christ was going to address that here also. Because they were watching him to see whether he's going to heal this man on Sabbath day in the, in the synagogue. Was it? But he knew their thoughts and said unto the man, which are the without hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking around about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness. Commune one with another what they might do to Jesus. Why are they so concerned? Because they they are trying to look for false number one, number two. 
they think uh, when he does that, people run around look, look like they are spoiling their Sabbath of quietness. Why everything should be quiet? When people get excited when they see miracle like that, they rush there to see so that today is violating their Sabbath. They should, everything should be solemn and quiet. Maybe that's one of the reasons that they were angry, furious. That why is he doing this on the Sabbath day? Verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Now, this is where, according to our look, that he actually called these apostles out of the disciples. When we say disciples, everyone that have believing and coming around each time he come to town preaching are disciples. Many of them just love to hear him. So most men and women, anytime you come to their town, they all gather. So you can see they gather at this corner, and those who are not disabled more or less gather, and the rest accusing him, not listening, or something like that. Some of them are confronting him. The disciples can, you can use there, they are nodding, they are agreeing, and they went to that place, you see the same people they follow, until they need to go back home. So that was how you know the disciples, but now those disciples have identified themselves because they always follow wherever he was preaching when they come to town, all over Galilee. So now, Bible said, according to this verse 12 we just read, he went to the mountain because he wanted to choose 12. Why did he not choose 12? Because he wanted 12 that will be ruling the 12 tribes of Israel. So he wanted 12 disciples, 12 apostles. So he went all night praying about it, to whom should we call? So then you see, you, did he make a mistake of calling Judas Iscariot? No, it was part of the plan. That you say, Judas Iscariot was the one that betrayed him. And he chose him for a purpose. Christ said, I, one of you is a devil, not one of you is possessed by a devil. And he has chosen that one purposely for, for that purpose. And that's what the scripture teaches in all the other Bible verses we have read. So when it was day after he came, after he has prayed all night, he was going to choose those twelve. And he called unto him his disciples, as they all the crowd. And of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. And now the, Luke is going to list the name of the apostles here. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, that's his two sons of Zebedee, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alvius, and Simon called Celotes, Judas the brother of James, and Judas his car, which also was the traitor. So those are the twelve that the Lord Jesus Christ chose. When you look at them, you look like he chose family members. James and John were the sons of Zebedee, their brothers. Simon and Andrew, they were also brothers. And you can see that the Lord delights in a family to, to be in one. So he cried, Bible said, God shall save you and your whole house. So if you that is listening to me, your family members have not been saved, keep praying and witness to them. God intends to save families. Not just one person and the rest are going to hell. No. He wanted to save the family. So that's why you see James and John, they are brothers. And their daddy believed, their mom believed, so it's the whole family. See? Peter. Simon Peter and Andrew, they were brothers. See? And he went to their house and healed the mother in law. So you can see the whole family believe also. So Christ is all, you're not just calling individual, he's calling families too. He says, Thou shalt be safe in your own house. So believe that and keep trusting God, keep praying for your family members that have not believed yet. You can bring them in. Just keep calling upon them. Calling upon the Lord for them. Amen. Now, verse 17. And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon which came to hear him 
and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Now that is the super mighty power that the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated because he said the spirit was given him without nature. The old Godhead was in him bodily. We believers, the spirit of God was given to us by nature. Not just like cups of water. How many cups did he give to you? Two cups. This one, one cup. This one, five cups. So that you can do more. If you have five cups, it's the anointing. It's what you call in the, the cups of oil. The special oil is the anointing. Holy Ghost is given to us by nature. So that's why we cannot do, we cannot heal every type of disease. It's some diseases are healed by this measure of anointing. Some diseases are healed by this measure. But Christ was healing them all, whatever they are healing. So that is the difference. And he healed them all. Because he, the whole Godhead was in him bodily. And the Lord can also heal them all through a ministry or a minister. But the Holy Ghost will have to summon all the other anointing that's needed to deal with situations that the regular anointing does not do through that minister. Now verse 20 of Luke chapter 6. And he lifted up his eyes and, on his disciples and said, now he's going to start teaching this beatitude, we call this blessed, blessed pronunciation, which you also see in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6 and chapter 7. This is where uh, Luke recorded the same sermons. We call it Sermon on the Mountain in the book of Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6 and chapter 7. And Luke also recorded this blessedness that he pronounced upon everyone that are listening. And if you are like this, you are blessed. And I'm going to read through it slowly. And the explanation for who are these that are blessed is also in the book of Matthew. Where you go, you can go back to my narration in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7 for this. But this one is just one single chapter, chapter 6. So um, Luke just summarized some of those sermons here. But in Matthew, it went from chapter 5 to chapter 6 and to chapter 7. So now that's from verse 20 of Luke chapter 6. We shall go slowly and teach on this. The Beatitudes, we call it. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, this is verse 20 of Luke chapter 6, Blessed, are, blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, Luke recorded, it was translated in the book of Luke that blessed be ye poor. But in the other Matthew, it said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Trying to classify what you mean by the poor. Does that mean that anyone that's automatically poor financially in the world is automatically going to heaven? Not necessarily. You should have to believe in Jesus Christ. You should have to repent from your sins. You should have to fear God and walk with God. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? That Lazarus, that was a beggar, went to the bosom of Abraham, not because he was a beggar, it's because he feared God also. You still have to fear God. And it's not all rich men that are going to hell just because they are rich. No, you, if, they, if they live for God, like Abraham was rich. According to the life of Abraham we read, he was the head of a village. He had 300 servants. How many do you have? <laughs> I don't have any single servants. So Abraham was rich. So it's not the riches that you send them to hell, it is how they use their riches. They fear God, they are just living for themselves. Because the story of that rich man and Lazarus, the rich man didn't care for anything except himself. See, that's his, and Lazarus died and he just carried his soul to Muslim of Abraham, the rich man died and was buried and he found himself in hell. 
So it's not the riches that send him to hell. It is how he used his riches. And it's not because that man was poor and beggar that made him to get to heaven. It's whether you fear God and you're still serving God. Okay? So, but this Bible, in the way Luke reports, it says, Blessed be ye poor. Let's poor in the spirit is what Matthew recorded. For yours is the kingdom of God. And I explained that in the Gospel of Matthew that the poor in the spirit is like they just believe God. They don't have signs and wonders following them. They don't have supernatural miracles, supernatural power. But they just believe God. They are poor because spiritual wealth is signs and wonders. Spiritual wealth is, this, is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Power, power gives that God is giving. Spiritual wealth said that God said that who will give you the true riches? Those are the true riches. God said, buy of me gold, try to find that you may be rich. That is spiritual wealth. Eyes are that your eyes may see. And clothed with right raiment that you may be clothed. Your nakedness you know shall appear. That's your wealth, spiritual wealth. But if you don't have any of those, you are just trusting God and believing God, you are like the poor in spirit. And there are multitudes, millions that are just poor in spirit and they are still fearing God. And God says, God is giving them the kingdom also. For just being, you're just believing. He said, blessed are they that do not even see, but they believe. He was telling uh, the doubting Thomas that you see me, that's when you believe. Those who will not, some people will not see him, that, that he resurrected, that he, uh, someone said, unless I see the nail print in his hand, put my hand there. You know that he's really the physical Jesus that wake up, that rose up, I won't believe. And Christ said, come and touch it. After you see it, and you, you believe because you see me. The blessed are those that do not see it, you just believe. Those are the poor. They don't see the signs, they don't see maybe they just something in their heart just know that it is true. And they are the poor in spirit. The yours is your kingdom is the kingdom of God. Verse 21 says, Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, what the other Matthew said. The hunger and thirst. Not just anybody that's hungry now. They are hungry because of the word of God. They are fasting. If you are fasting, you are hunger. But you are doing it because of the gospel. You are hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Some people will also will weep because of the gospel. Because they, they, something, they lose something, they cry and cry, look like God didn't answer. They say, God is saying, if you weep now, you will laugh. The Bible says, God will wipe away all tears from the eyes of the saints when we arrive at the end. So that's like weeping that they are doing on now because of all the troubles they went through. But they still hold on to God. God will be wiping away all tears from their eyes. Those are classified that those who are weeping now, they shall laugh. Verse 22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast you as cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Now that is persecution because of Christ. So many will be persecuted because they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They will hate you because you are telling them what the Bible says they should not do, and they don't want to hear that. They will separate you from their company. They don't want to work with you anymore. Or you are no more working with them. They will reproach and cast out your name as evil. They did that in many places where people have gospel come to them. Those who didn't want to receive the gospel will begin to classify these people as evil. It's still happening in our generation, in the Muslim world. I just read the story of, of, a, of a man that the, some Muslim people went and attacked him and killed him. Why? Because he was preaching Jesus. That's what they are doing. That's what they say for the Son of Man's sake. But he said, we should rejoice. Verse 22 says, Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Now, when we are persecuted because of the, our faith in Christ, because we are confessing that Jesus is the only Savior, 
and the persecutors and people killed from in the Muslim land and the false religions land. He said, you are now in the class of prophets, because that's how they did to the prophets in this of the, uh, the, the Israelites. They persecuted the prophets that are telling them what God says. So you are in, for in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. So you are now in the class of prophets when you are persecuted or killed for the, for, for the sake of Christ. Verse 24. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Just like that rich man. Abraham told him, Well, you are now, you enjoy your riches. That's Lazarus have his poverty. But now he's comforted on this side, you are now in torment. So that is falling into that category. If you are rich, you better use your wealth to help others. Use your wealth to, to preach the gospel. Use your wealth to, to help the poor. Then you will be falling into this category of those that, are, that have received their consolation. Because Abraham was rich. Job was a very rich person. But how do they treat their wealth is what matters. They depend on that wealth or they use it to, to do help to the poor. And God watches that. He he that giveth unto the poor, lendeth unto the Lord. So let's do our best to, to give unto the poor so that we are lending to the Lord. Verse 25, Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. That is, you don't try to please men. Even when you are preaching the gospel, you try to be the, the name everybody likes, you know, because they are getting some, they are, you are telling them what they want to hear. If you are preaching the gospel, and you tell them what they want to hear, oh, how they can make money. That's your gospel. How they can be rich and wealthy. And they will like you, they want to make money. If you are telling them how to repent, people don't want to hear that. That's why he said, when all men shall speak well of you, <laughs> woe unto you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. So be careful what you are telling them, what you are preaching them. If you want their favor, you want to be, the, to be well liked, to be favored, to be patted on the back by the crowd so that they like you then you'll be offended because say the enemy he that is friend to the world he will be enemy to god that is what it boils down to if you are friend to the world you want men to please to be pleased by you you'll be pleasing men telling them what the what they want to hear instead of telling them to repent from their sin from their fornication from their adultery from their embezzlement from their bribery and corruption all those that are doing that in the third world countries and even this second this america Many are still doing that. They are promoting homosexuality as abomination. They are promoting uh, what they call it, same-sex marriage as abomination. They are promoting what they call it, transidential, what they call it, all the transgenders. A man saying he wants to become a woman, a woman saying he wants to become a man, and they co-polluted the, the society. They are all abomination before God. We are telling them to repent. The same way with the thief, the armed robbers. Everyone, even those that are that are not fearing God. They are all to repent because the end of the world is near. Now let's go to verse 27. We are looking, we are reading Luke chapter 6 and down verse 27. But I say unto you, which, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despisefully use you, and unto him that smited thee on the one cheek, Offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Now, this series of teachings, Lord was telling us to be what? Man of peace. People of peace. They want to slap you on one cheek, turn the other also. 
Don't try to fight for yourself. Let God defend you. Be a man of peace. That's really what he summarized all of this thing. We explain more in the Gospel of Matthew when it was Matthew chapter 6, chapter 5, chapter 6, where these were also repeated. If somebody wants to take away that coat and instead of going to court to fight it out, say, let him have your second coat also. Let God fight for you. And you will be saying, God fights slowly, but he fights fine. But Sarah say, Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. That is, instead of fighting or forcing, give it out. If you want to take away your goods, let them have it. So that you are a man of peace. But God is going to judge for those who are taking away your goods. Just remind them that. But Sarah says, As you would that men should do to you, do you also so to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. See, we have to be above, the, above that. And if you lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the, of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. The God is kind to the evil and to the unthankful. We should be like our Father God in heaven, by being kind to every person. Loving our enemies, because we know the real enemy is Satan, not that man, not that woman. And the real enemy is Satan. He may be using those men and those women that, you, that have sworn against you, but forgive them and don't count them as your enemies. No, the enemy is the spirit, satanic spirit that is using them. So then you try to pray against that satanic spirit, not against the man or the woman. But Statistics said, Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Pastor 7. Judge not and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. Now, those are Bible verses that are precise. Don't judge. Let judgment be left to God. It, because God judges according to motive, much more than according to what the man did. Motive. What is the purpose? Why did he do this? What is the motive in his heart? God watches the heart and the reins. So that's why he said we should not judge. Let God do the judging. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. That forgiveness is essential because even in the book of Mark, God said that when you ask him something, you better remember to forgive because the Father can give you what you want it. And that's why in the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, Our Father, which has in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, was follow be it, forgive us our sins. When you're asking for something for yourself, then remember to know you have to walk in forgiveness so that God can forgive us out of his forgiveness for us that he giveth us everything we ask for. Verse 38 Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet out, with all it shall be measured to you again. The Lord is teaching us a precept here about how to receive is to give. When you give, people will give back to you. If you give bountifully, people will give back to you bountifully. God will cause them to give to you bountifully. If you just give sparingly, people will give back to you also sparingly. Because God is saying, with the measure that you give, so shall you be someone that you are planting. You plant corn, if you Fill the old field with corn, there will be a whole field full of crops. 
of corn. But if you just say I only plant five, then you only have five stalks of corn also. Verse 39. And he speak a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the dish? The disciple is not above his master. But everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And but why beholdest thou the mood that is in thy brother's eye? But perceive not the beam that is in thine own eye. Either how can thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the moth that is in thy eye? When thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam that out of thy own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the moth that is in thy brother's eye. Now the Lord was using that parable of repent first before he tried to tell other people to repent. See the beam, it's a big, a big log, is what you mean a beam. That is, your own sin is bigger. They get to take care of that for before you try to point to the sins of the other person. That's exactly an example of what the Lord was talking about. He said, take the beam out of your eye, then you can see clearly to be able to help your brother. Verse 43, for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is, every tree is known by its own fruit. For of tongues men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather the grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. We should fill our heart with the word of God, with love, compassion, so that when we speak of our mouth, we'll be talking love of God, the word of God, compassion. See, because say, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 46. Say, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. It's like a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Now the Lord used that analogy of hearing the word of God and doing it. It teaches us how to walk in love, how to walk in forgiveness, how to turn the other cheek and not be a man of peace. And when you are doing all those precepts, you are building your life, that's your house, your life, on the rock of foundation of the word of God. Because God will be the one fighting for you, not you fighting for yourself that can end up in jail and more, more trouble. You fight somebody, they want to fight you back. If you, if you are, if they have some special power, wicked, evil power, they'll be trying to use it against you. But if you are just, let God fight for you, God will defend you. So that's an example of build your house on the rock of foundation of the word of God. That this is what Christ teaches us. That's what we should be doing. Be a man of peace. Sometimes apologize when you look like a, you shouldn't be the one apologizing. That's fellowship you apologize. No? Be a man of peace. Apologize. Let, let the thing, that's why I say even if they compare you to go one man, go with them to win. That's a man of peace. So that is what the Lord is saying. When you are doing those, say that you are building your life with your house on the rock. Because the storm we came, we come, the streams we beat upon every life, every life of human being. The storm could be sickness, diseases, or trouble, violence, anything. But God will be standing by you. You are, you are standing by God. God is standing by you. you are, your house will not fall down. But if you are building on the rock, you are not doing all those things. Then it's verse 49 says, But he that heareth and doeth not, it's like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth. 
against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. If those who are not doing his teaching say they are building the house on, on sand, when the storm of life comes, they will fall. And that is what happens when people give up on God and say, well, God is not answering, maybe there is no God. They just fall. God is alive. God is answering. Even if it looks like it's not answering, if you know what the Word of God says, you will be hanging there to Him. Like Job said, though he slay me yet, will I trust him? You will not cause God. This is the end of chapter 6. We continue in the next chapter. God bless you.